Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. <laughs> Care to expand on that? I just woke up feeling real dangerous. Hi, <laughs> right, guys. Welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, anywhere you find a podcast. Give us a five-star review. Because it makes it easier to find, and we just really appreciate those comments back. I'm your host, Kamir Murabian, joined by Jack Shields today, uh, fresh off Dallas. How's your week so far? Oh, pretty good, man. Uh, OU Texas weekend, obviously, was pretty neat. It's a special weekend. It's a special always, weekend. Always, Even if it doesn't go our way, it's always pretty special. I mean, The it, nostalgia factor alone, the food, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Do you uh, try any treats um, down at the at the fair? No, I'm a very I'm becoming very impatient in my old age, <laughs> and I don't like to walk around and wait in lines anymore. So I just get my coupons and I yep. get my beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even wait in line for the Fletcher's corny dog. Yeah, I just waited in line for the regular dog. corny dog because the line was shorter. Did it? Tastes probably the it same. It was amazing, actually. But, like, no, Fletcher's is better. But, like, the regular ones that they have there are very above par. They're I wonderful. Know, I haven't I haven't had a Fletcher's one. What's the difference between Fletcher's it's and crispier. the regular? Crispier and thicker. That's what she said. Um, is it? I don't know. Crispier hmm. sounds concerning. Yeah, like some, Chris, yeah, that you might need to go some, see a, a specialist in, of some sort. Someone who's been in a, a tanning bed for too long. <laughs> We're off or the, something else. We are off the rails, uh, but very yeah. quickly off the rails. Yeah, here. quickly. But um, you know, it's it's a it's been an interesting week. You know, you spend all day gloating Sunday that you beat Texas, and honestly, it was the most handily Oklahoma's beaten Texas for a seven point margin I've ever felt in my life. Oh, absolutely. After rewatching the game, because it was a dominant performance. I mean, Oklahoma outgained Texas by what two hundred yards, yeah, it was a little a, bit more, I think. I mean, and they killed them on the ground. And a lot of those yards for Texas came uh, on that last drive when yeah. Oklahoma was just playing prevent essentially. Yeah, that one, and then the Roshan Johnson, whatever. He basically just had two run. runs that yeah. were big, and that accounted for most of their rushing yardage. Yeah, well, Ian Boyd will tell you that if you take away all the sacks. <laughs> The Oklahoma's lack of run defense is concerning, and you're Good like, grief. Like, come on, dude. Okay, <laughs> I I like Ian Boyd. He's actually uh, he's good at what he does. Oh no, yeah, he's very good at what he does. He's, he's, he's um he's a very intelligent football mind. I will give him that. Of course, <laughs> he really is, and he's a very nice guy. Yeah. 
Having said that, he, stirs the pot he is an well. attorney, yeah. and he picks apart arguments in ways that suit his argument. He's very good at doing that. He is a gold medalist in mental gymnastics. I think you were the but one. But he's a good guy. You're the one that said that he uses his powers for evil sometimes. He does use yeah. his football knowledge for evil, absolutely. <laughs> That's completely true. But yeah, Oklahoma's coming off a 34-27 to win in the Cotton Bowl, and Jalen Hurts came into this game saying, you know, he's playing the Iron Bowl, and that's all good and dandy. And then, of course, after the game, he's like, yeah, okay, it's a little bit different, super different. Let's just talk about the game in general. Before the game even before the game even gets kicked off, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, there's already flags on Sportsman, like on literally everybody on both teams. And if you get one more, you're out of the game. It, it reminded me of, like, my dad on a road trip. Like, <laughs> Don't make me turn this car around. He, we'd be, like, in Albuquerque, and he'd be like, I'll turn around. And we'd be like, no, you're not. What God. is this? Or like threatening to give everyone a spanking if they didn't shut up and stuff like that. But that makes it sound more violent than he really is. He's a pretty nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it sounded like the Big 12 officials were kind of like that. Like, I'll turn this car around and I'll spank everyone or something like that. But I mean, yeah. that was... And Mike Defee said he did it to get ref. a hold of... Yeah, very buff ref. He said he did, get, did it to get a hold of the game. That way, everything went according to plan. People were more focused on football than the antics in itself. And to an extent, it actually did work. I mean, there there were skirmishes, you could see. And then when I rewatched the game, there were definite skirmishes on the field, especially after touchdowns and Marquise Hayes is blocking somebody way after the play. But, I mean, they got their point across. And then Lincoln Riley, uh, like he said it in his presser. I don't know if it's actually true, if he actually felt this way, but he said he he appreciated that. That way they focused on football and played a clean game. But I thought it was so lame. Like, And that did appear to be the case, by the way. It did. It did. And, um, you know, it just they did focus on football, and the teams were very aware. And it just it's it starts with the horns down. Thing and they like the penalties for that, and you're like, okay, that's stupid. They're the kings of making mountains out of molehills. They they create public relations issues for themselves yeah, it's, constantly. It's a rivalry. Like remember a long time ago when Mark Richt was at Georgia and they were actually semi okay, they were good. And by Mark Richt, good I mean have high expectations and they always fall short. Go ten and two, go to the SEC championship game, lose. losing the SEC championship and, game. Who is it? Who are they're they playing, playing against? Are you talking about Florida? The one where they had that they, little brawl kind of thing? Well, they they scored a touchdown and they all the team yeah, came on the Yeah, that was field. against Florida, yeah. And like, that would what, would... what would Mike Defee and the other Big 12 refs would have done if that were to happen in this game? Would they have thrown everybody out except the people on the field already? Ooh, that's a good question, right? I don't think he'd quite take it that far, but he would give a personal foul to all of them. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's just, I think it's stupid. But the more surprising thing to me is because we expect, you know, the Big 12 referees and officials to be very soft on many things, including pass interference. Uh, Oklahoma's actual full offensive line. I caught wind that, you know, Adrian Ely would have a pretty good chance to play this Saturday, and all of a sudden. You know, not long before the kickoff, you find out, oh, yeah, by the way, Eric Swenson's uh, full go, too, even though, like, it was rumored he was going to be out for possibly the rest of the season. And you're like, okay, Lincoln Riley mind games, what the hell are you doing? Of course, you're saying, oh, they're highly, highly questionable. Yes, we understand this. But the, the what was understood was Adrian Ely was probably going to be fine, and he was going to go. Swenson was supposed to be out for a much longer period of time, and then you now have your full offensive line 
suit up against Texas, and then actually play very well, uh, meanwhile, and despite being not 100%. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, yeah, Swinson, it did seem like, I mean, and according to Riley after the game as well, he was playing hurt, essentially. Do Mm -hmm. you... Would it surprise you if they gave him a little break against West Virginia and let Josh Proctor or uh, R.J. Proctor get some run? That's exactly what I thought. I th- yeah. I thought they I thought one of the two at least maybe would get a break and then um, maybe for the next week and then go on into a bye week and have two weeks built in or what is it like what it, it's K State K State then bye okay so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Oklahoma just to give them to the give one of the two the two weeks off with the bye, and then go into November really playing some football all all healed up. That that, that was my thinking, but, you know, Lincoln Riley says they're going to continue to get better, and then uh, hopefully they'll get them, you know, more on track physically, health-wise, to perform at a higher level this week. But, again, he said they're both highly questionable, and they both ended up starting and beating the hell out of that Texas defense. Absolutely. When, when, when Riley decided to run the ball, by the way unnerving kind of yeah drifted away from that in the second half and that made me a little nervous it got to the point where i was i was on twitter like asking when is the last time legitimately lincoln riley has run the ball we're in the we're in the fourth quarter by the way like like it's like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter i'm like when's the last time they've actually tried to run the ball it's been jalen hurts just throwing it See, that's part of the whole thing with Trey Sermon. Everyone was like, why aren't they, uh, why isn't Trey Sermon getting any of the carries? Because no one's getting any of the carries. Yeah, it's just it, Jalen Hurts occasionally running. And I was just like, what the hell is going And of course, to ice the Texas scores, and I don't think they pull even with Oklahoma. I think they're still down by three. And Lincoln Riley says, you know what? I think I'm going to try that run game that we tried in the first half and just demolish them with Kennedy Brooks. And they did. Ripped off 60-yarder. Another one to Ramondre Stevenson. Ripped off a 30-yarder. Did the same thing to end the game. I'm like, why did you ever stop running? <sighs> you could tell they were worn out. I mean, yeah, you should have. I mean, granted, yeah. it all worked out, so who cares? But it, like... It's just like, you know, come on. And Lincoln Riley, and and I don't, I don't know if he admitted this, but I think a lot of people have said this out loud, is that this is one of the worst called games he's had since the second half of maybe uh, the, the Rose Bowl. Just like... Some head scratchers. You're like, what do you just run the damn ball? Run, run the damn ball. It's like uh, the blind side with Sandra Bullock. What are you, what are you doing? Run the dang ball, Bert. Like, it's that exact same thing. Like, what are they doing? But not really having to run the ball when you have Ceedee Lamb on your team, right? Holy crap! Covered in corn dog grease. Oh my god, that was that was my. I I laughed out loud at that comment. It's a great comment. I liked the Crabtree one because you could tell how like unsettled they were. Yeah. Oh man, and there were a couple of those were Crabtree esque. The second one especially, the or his third touchdown, uh-huh. the one where he kind of tight roped it. Yep, that was pretty sweet. For those that don't know what we're talking about, when we say corn dog grease, I got the idea after the game to post to go on like you know Texas Longhorn message boards from fans and see what they were saying live during the game. And one of the fans from Texas, while they were melting down after a CD Lamb touchdown, said, CD Lamb is covered in corn dog grease because they could not tackle him with like four guys in front of him. They looked like OU a year ago. Yeah, that's how Texas is secondary. Really funny. Looked. Really, really. And Tom, so many things to say about Tom Herman. Um, but yeah, CD Lamb, what do you say about that guy? Unbelievable. Is he a Blitnikoff winner? Oh, yeah. Well, right now, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's. He doesn't even have that many receptions on the season. He had like 
18 coming into the yeah, game or something like that? There were like two that? games where we were like, where is CeeDee Lamb? It's the Charlie well, Rambo show. And each of those ones where he had like one or two catches, those one or two catches were touchdowns. So he was still producing when he got the ball in his hands. But just it's just things like that. I mean, I I look I look back to the 2013 season and and think about what Paul Feinbaum said about Bob Stoops and his Oklahoma Sooners team saying that they had no dynamic playmakers, um, and basically Oklahoma's best player was their fullback who had gotten hurt and was Trey, Trey Miller at the time. And then I think about now and the amount of dynamic playmakers Oklahoma has on the, on on either side of the ball. And I see Lamb. Oh, my goodness. That guy is just – he's on another planet. The guy is incredible. He's the most complete receiver in school history. I'll say Oh, yeah. I, th- I think people are going to look – because Oklahoma has a massive history, even in the past 20 years, of great receivers. You know, Mark Clayton, but even most recently, D.D. Westbrook, Sterling Shepard. Uh, C.D. Lamb, and then you can go. You can go further back, Kenny Stills, and stuff like that. And um, you know, we're probably gonna look back and say, "Man, C.D. Lamb might have been the best one out of all of them." Like C.D. Lamb and Sterling Shepard, they do things differently. They are different types of receivers. But as an overall NFL guy, I think C.D. Lamb is probably gonna be a, your better bet as far as being having a long term career in the NFL. Not that Chef isn't and not that Kenny Stills isn't. He's bigger and has more high end speed and has every bit of shiftiness that Sterling Shepard has and is every bit the route runner yeah. that Sterling Shepard is, is every bit the uh jump ball guy that Sterling yeah. Shepard is. So I don't know about the route running, but he's up there. I mean his, he's really, really good with that. His catch radius and high pointing of the ball is impressive as hell. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the guy's an all star. Uh he's gonna be an all American just he deserves a bullet in a cough, but at the same time, there's like three other receivers: Jerry, Judy, Tylen Wallace. If if uh, uh, Mr. Tumnus can get the ball to him, uh, <laughs> that are worthy of it as well. Jalen Hurts, we say worst game is a sooner, but four touchdowns. You know, three passing touchdowns. Of course, is C.D. Lamb fourth when he rushed in to ice the game. But uh, man, two two turnovers that could have made this game really a three score game. One of them, just self-inflicted, uh, wasn't carrying the ball high and tight like they always preach. The second one, though, my God. I that was, looked like a 2015 Baker Mayfield interception. crap. I was just like, throw the ball away, throw the ball away, throw the ball away. And, like, and of course, you're thinking he's thrown, over, he's thrown across his body so many times this year, and it's worked plenty of times. And in the middle of all these Texas defenders, easy interception. And he almost did it again. Uh uh, thank God that ended in just an incomplete, and um, it's just it looked like the game was big for him, and he tried to do too much. Turned out he had a swollen hand too, and yeah, so he walks into the presser today, hand heavily bandaged, swollen hand. He didn't he didn't say specifically when, maybe his hand got hit on a helmet or when his hand started swelling up really bad. But he said he didn't have the grip that he wanted. He didn't want to, he didn't have the control of the ball that he wanted to. And this was even before when he took the ball and switched it from the left hand to the right hand behind his back while a Texas defender is grabbing the ball. He had hand swelling then to where he couldn't fully grip the ball. So that makes that play a little bit more impressive, knowing that he couldn't fully grasp it. He escapes that and then fires a dart to CD, which should have been a first down when I rewatched the game for forward progress. But... Is he uh is he still in the Heisman conversation? Do you think? Oh, in the conversation, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the leader, no. That's probably Joe Burrow right now. Joe Burrow. Uh, oh, was it Rex 
Which one of the Rex? Which one of the Ryan brothers? It's Rex, Rex. Ryan. Yeah, he's talking crap about Jalen. He, yeah, he's been a. He's angry. Yeah, absolutely. You think part of it? Nah, never mind. He he was only at OU for a year as a for a year, and then he, he was at Swazoo for a little bit. Yeah, he well he went to Swazoo. Mm-hmm. He and his brother both went to Swazoo. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a bitter. Yeah, man. he's he seems a little a little butthurt by. He's Oklahoma. angry at Baker. He's angry at Baker. He, yeah, and That's he's that taking is. that out on Jalen Hurts, and he's taking it out on Kyler Murray. He's basically, basically ESPN said, hey, Colin Cowherd is getting a bunch of clicks by bashing Baker Mayfield all the time. Let's have our own guy do that. And they're basically chosen Rex Ryan, I guess. It's stupid. But, hey, Jalen Hurts, I think he's still in the conversation. And they went, if, and if Oklahoma wins out, I, I don't know if he wins he didn't play poorly enough against Texas to eliminate himself. No, he didn't. He didn't. No, not at all. And he definitely had a but lot more. But he didn't more... necessarily put a foot forward. He had more Heisman moments than Sam Ellinger, who had zero touchdown passes. You see that tweet? He said, how many touchdown passes does Sam... did Sam Ellinger have? And it was a clip from the movie Holes, where Shia LaBeouf is screaming out for his buddy Zero. <laughs> so clever. It was... I, I laughed out loud at it. But, man, it, I mean, Jalen Hurts... I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but uh, it, during his part of the presser, just really impressive guy, uh, doesn't flinch. You, you really like that out of your quarterback. But the reason why we're even here right now, the defense. We, we Alex Grinch, the Grinch that stole the Red, Red River shootout. Um, so, my God. That I was first so impressed was... by – I mean, obviously – the pass rush is what's getting the yeah. attention here. I was so impressed with how they defended the horizontal passing game, mm-hmm. the stuff outside. Last year, they were having so much success with that against Oklahoma. Yeah. Nothing this time at all. And the fact that the well, well was dry. Well, hell, it was just running back would go into motion. And instead of just like looking and like trotting out to it or like, you know, making a, a slight adjustment. Buki's just hauling ass to the line of scrimmage. That was his best game as an OU football because, player. Because they know, as he splits out wide, as soon as he goes in motion, they're going to hike the ball not very long. And so Buki's hauling ass, basically getting over the line of scrimmage as soon as they hike that ball and blows the play up. He did that, he did that several times. And, I mean, Oklahoma defense, you saw them do stuff that they hadn't done under Mike Stoops um, in quite a while, stunting a lot twisting a lot, circling around a lot. It got to the point where Q Overton is getting sacks. Patrick Fields from the third level is getting a sack. The safeties in general played pretty well. DTY Neville, had a good game. N- DTY did have a very great game. Neville Gallimore just being held as many times as he did and still got two sacks. And he got held in the play that Kenneth Murray was uh, got a got the cheap shot penalty for. It's like, oh, you're roughing the quarterback, which he kind of, looking at it again, he... Could have been ejected for that. But at the same time, Neville Gallimore was tackled. Just They hiked the ball. Neville Gallimore gets tackled by the Texas center and guard, and nothing was called. Let's go back and watch it. It'll make you angry. Will it make me as angry as the 2017 game with all the holdings? That was one of the worst. I mean, it probably won't make you as angry because Oklahoma already had nine sacks. That's true. (laughs) But it's just like, come on. Come on. It's outrageous, but the defense, Kenneth Murray, my God, that like if you want a butt kiss a winner, if you want a butt kiss winner, and you're looking for some candidates, and he's the one talking about it. Hey, if you want to, 
if you want to be a Buckus winner, you you got to be a big-time player in this game. He showed up. Second half, Texas ran away from him, or at least they tried, right? Um, and they filtered a lot of plays away from him. And he makes another freaking Tarzan-like play. This man runs across the field, grabs somebody right underneath the face mask uh, on the jersey, and just swings him down with one arm. He did that on one of the first few drives against Houston as well. Yes. And both times you watch it, and in real time, you you just assume it's that a it's mask. a face mask because of the jerking motion right. that he gets on the player. <laughs> Neither time was it a face mask. It's just that the movement was that God, intense. It's impressive. And in the past couple of years, people have said, you know, man, Kenneth Murray's kind of like a Tarzan plays like Jane sort of guy because he doesn't know what he's doing. And um, this man is straight up Tarzan plays like a god. This guy, he's on the opposite side of the formation. He's on the opposite side of the pocket. Ellinger breaks left. Ellinger's breaking left to get to the sticks, and this man hauls ass and closes on him and forces Ellinger for no gain? Are you kidding me? Ellinger's not slow. And Murray, just to see that, recognize that, because he's spying, and he just shoots off like a rocket and blasts his ass out of bounds. Oh, my God. That's 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 borderline stuff that I would just like watch just for fun. I would watch it all day. Because like you, you can watch that. You could turn on that game and just watch the defense for the half. I don't even care about the offense. Just watch them work. It's impressive. It's enjoyable. And it's it's a sight for sore eyes. Nine sacks, 15 tackles for loss. Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. Absurd. How many sacks did Oklahoma have at this point last year? Not nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're setting, setting a record. Texas all year had given up what? I think nine the whole year. Nine or ten sacks. So they, so they, their total's been double. Uh, their total has been, been doubled. Blah blah blah. Total has been doubled. Yeah, they basically doubled up on Texas, and that in itself is so impressive. And just there's a lot of stuff. And I told you, what if I told you that Texas, Oklahoma, have been preparing for Texas for two and a half weeks? I'd say you were producing a thirty for thirty. And then that's exactly what you said. But I mean, they did it in the bye week. They did it for part of Kansas week, and of course they were doing it in preseason. So, of course they did a lot of what LSU did and made it better because they have some pretty good athletes. And may I dare say that Oklahoma's defense is actually better than LSU. Statistically, as far as SP plus is concerned, top, that is true. Top thirty, top thirty. Uh huh. They're number thirty right now. It's just I th- I thought like because last year they were eighty one. I was like, okay, cool. If they get to the top sixty, I'll be fine. Past the Texas game. You're top 30 right now, and you have Iowa State, not anything to brag about. TCU, not anything to brag about. Kansas State, not anything to brag about. OSU really left, and Baylor too. Baylor's a good football team, but it's not the high-powered offense that you're accustomed to. They're a little more physical offensively this year. But... Oklahoma ends up in the top 50 in S&P. That's really good. I mean, and recruits are starting to turn their heads, and it's, it's what you want. It's exciting. All right, Jack, so... Alex Grinch comes to this game presser, post-game, I guess, uh, yesterday. Not really post-game, just after the fact. And um, turns out he's not satisfied with the defense and their performance versus Texas. And that's that's music to a lot of people's ears is because, like... Very on-brand for Grinch, too. It's very on-brand for him because people are like, man, that's the best Oklahoma's defense has looked in since early 2000s stuff like they're actually shutting people down like you go watch the first half and that looks like 
classic vintage Oklahoma defense. And um, Grinch should say that he's happy with the progress and he's very happy that, you know, they setting a record of nine sacks and the 15 tackles for loss. That's something to say, say, hey, that's great. We're making progress. But he's not satisfied with the performance. Uh, definitely said was disappointed about not forcing turnovers either. Um, if you're an Oklahoma fan or just a supporter of the Sooners, how do you feel about those comments and how do you feel about the way that Alex Grinch feels regarding what we just saw on Saturday? Like you said, I mean, he's not resting on his laurels and it's his very on brand for him. I mean, there were, I'm sure there were plenty of things in the second half that he saw with the run defense. Granted, most of it was okay against the run. Most of those yards came on two carries. Yeah. Pretty much like the one where, and one of them, Nick Benito had Roshan Johnson in the backfield essentially mm-hmm. and just kind of whiffed. Yeah. So he was in That's position bad. to make the play at least, but, uh, he had his hands on him. Yeah. That was that, but he played well other than that mm-hmm. during the game. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not too upset with him, but, Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, like you said, it's music to the ears. This isn't stuff you're hearing from Mike Stoops. And this is stuff that, this is the kind of thing that matters when we talk about maybe, and I know I'm going to talk about something that's history, but Confucianism. And this, Go for it. This is going to confuse a lot of people, but Confucianism. Confuse a lot of people. Uh, confuse a lot of people. Under this idea of law Ancient Chinese law. I know people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Ancient Chinese law on a secret podcast. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? And uh, the thought was the people will reflect their leadership from the top down. The bottom reflects from the top. So you have Alex Grinch saying, man, we we have a long ways to go. We can still be a lot better. What you threw out on Saturday, great, we're making progress. That's fantastic. But we can be a lot better. The ceiling's a lot higher. And you're echoing that sentiment towards Kenneth Murray, who is the alpha male of this team, and Neville Gallimore, who is the second alpha male of that defense, and they're preaching it, and it's becoming contagious. I mean, they start believing in it, and it starts to make the defense a whole lot better because they know they can reach that second. It's like it's like Dragon Ball. We go from Confucianism to Dragon Ball Z. It's like Goku going Super Saiyan 1, finds out he can go 2, 3, then 4. Just basically, there are several levels that they can tap into and that they know they can be a lot better. And I think that does wonders for defense. And it clears and it cleans this poisonous mindset that maybe the previous regime had that, like, oh, you know, Let's try not to suck as much this game, or we got to do this better, and not necessarily talking about the ceiling that they have and improving upon what they're throwing out. I think maybe a Mike Stoops, if they would have had this performance against Texas, they would say, great, you know, we'll prepare next week the same way or to that extent and not build off of what they already established. So that's something to be really happy about. I think it's, I think it's pretty clear in stone. And something really, really awesome is that Brian Asamoah, they're very happy with him. To the point How where, could you not be? I mean, he's he's making one or two really big plays oh, a game yeah. off the bench. You know, kid from Ohio, uh, three star kid, closing speed is incredible. Uh, when 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 not if, but when Kenneth Murray leaves to the draft this year because he's making himself a ton of money, and when he probably wins the Butkus, your inside linebackers next year are probably going to be Deshaun White and Brian Asamoa, and uh, kids kids great. Um, he's earned playing time. Grinch said that. Uh, he has surpassed Ryan Jones on the depth chart. So you're going to see a lot more Brian Osamoa, Nick Benito, another impressive guy. And something most notable that's a really, really important to know for this Oklahoma defense going forward is that Jordan Kelly, 
one of the two Kelly dudes to go out this season, defensive tackle, plays basically the same position as Neville Gallimore. He's healthy, and he's on the depth chart now, and he's ready to roll. Now, is he going to be rusty? Yes. But is he going to have time to knock off that rust over the next you know, six, seven weeks? You know, West Virginia, you might see a little bit. Kansas State, you definitely will see a little bit of him. Then you get the bye week. And then once you see November, that's when you'll see a lot of Jordan Kelly. Really big that he is able to go. And something that Grinch brought up, which I really love, is finish. Finish through the end. The first three quarters, great, fantastic. And in that ugly fourth quarter, reared its head again against Texas, where they got like 17 points or something like that. I don't know. Texas, they scored a lot more points the fourth quarter than they did any other quarter. And is it off the hands of some stupid penalties, poorly called penalties, officiating? Sure. Um, but at the same time, he wants them to finish the fourth quarter. And that's, again, that's something you have to love, that no more are teams, do they want teams, or of course you never want teams to score in garbage time. But it seemed like Mike Stoops scoring in garbage time, like, oh, yeah, they scored in garbage time. Like, that. those are the twos and threes. And Alex Grinch says, I don't give a shit. They're twos and threes. This is Oklahoma. They Those are future contributors yeah, at the University of Oklahoma. They should not. Yeah, exactly. They should not be scoring on you guys. You have, And that's what he talks about, the whole depth thing and rotating all these players. He's like, if we're rotating 30 guys in a game or 20, 20-something guys in a game, you are part of that second string that's out there. They shouldn't be scoring on you anyways. You're rotating with the ones all the time. So this idea that he wants to finish – games wholly without garbage time points it's fantastic and i think again that contributes to the mindset of finish out the game when and especially it's going to help them when let's say they get to the cultural playoff and the fourth quarter's tight against whoever they're playing if they've practiced finishing out the game for 12 or 13 consecutive games it's going to be easier for them to do it instead of saying well man up it's the fourth quarter it's the little things, and that's what matters to Coach Grinch, and that's what's going to get the defense over the hump, not just this year, but the subsequent years until he finds a head coach job, to be honest. And it's going to come at some point. Oh, yeah. We and were talking before we were recording. He's got a lot of Matt Campbell in him. 100%. Demeanor-wise. Total football Where's his guys. hat the same way? Yeah. 100% total football guys. Same kind of like tone in his voice. Same kind of horse voice. You can Ohio like dudes. Dudes that like... Rust Belt guys. Seem like they've been screaming before that you've talked to them. His uh, his face. He's got he's got a nice uh facial hair kind of thing going on. Like he's he's he doesn't even have hair on his head. Yeah, he, he shaves it. He shaves it. You could tell it's a little thinner on top. I'm yeah. not judging, but, but man, he he uh, he keeps himself. He keeps that you know that that little jawline kind of half beard going on. I don't know what you would call that. It's really thin, but. The dude, uh, he's 100% a football guy, just like Matt Campbell, just like Matt Rule, a guy that knows his X's and O's, and just like Matt Campbell, very intense. I think him him and Matt Campbell, I want to say they played together at Mountain Union for a year. Both safety guys, um, both national champions on for Mountain Union. Really impressive. Um, going to find out what this team is about on Saturday, though. They're gonna, we're going to find out what this team is about on Saturday regarding their mentality. Because, uh, because it wouldn't surprise me at yeah. all for them to come out a little flat. Oh yeah, because the game is a the Texas game. Say all you want, Alex Grinch came out and said it. It's not just another game. It's a big rivalry game. It matters a lot. He took the anti-stoops approach there, and uh, 
for them to maybe relax a little bit, I think it's 100% possible. For them to come out like they did against KU, I think it's 100% possible just to come out a little bit flat. Now, does it help? It's not going to be a rainy day in Lawrence, Kansas, or CD Lamb's getting it off the bus and a blanket. It might a little bit, but not yeah. like not. there won't be like a delay or anything like that. But it will it's be like just, a sprinkle. This Saturday is going to test their mentality stay as far as, you know, are you engaged? Are you locked in and ready to go? And Alex Grinch is trying to get them motivated to do that. So, I mean, do you think they're going to be locked in and ready to go, or do you think there might be a little wake-up call? Oh, I mean, I think it's – I think, yeah, Bart was talking about this. Mm-hmm. OU doesn't tend to cover the week after OU Texas. Will that change with Alex Grinch at the helm of the defense? That's the question. It's a coin flip. I don't know. Because they can say, we're not focused on Texas. We're not focused on Texas. That's rat poison. That's rat poison all the Kansas week. You can tell they're focused on Texas. Of course, yeah. So we'll see. Nobody knows. Now that that's in the rearview mirror, maybe it'll be a little bit different. Yeah, that's true. Um, Another note before we go to break. Robert Barnes, possible position move from safety then to nickel, weirdly, to Sam linebacker. Uh, Sam linebacker and kind of nickel-ish, uh, possibly gaining you know 20, 30 pounds, about 230, 240, and moving inside the box. Considering everything that? he's gone through injury-wise, it makes sense because he doesn't really have the movement capabilities anymore to really be a very effective safety. And Lincoln Riley's mentioned him being a possible redshirt candidate, and if he does redshirt, Robert Barnes, 100%. That guy is going to move to linebacker. He will not stay at safety. I mean, it suits his speed. It suits his range of motion way more in this defense than it would in an Alex Grinch defensive backfield. It just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been saying, hey. Definitely checks out. I've been saying put him as a box safety or something for the longest time because his mobility has been hurt since, of course, he broke his leg. I mean, you know, you broke his freaking leg. But uh, it's just something that needs to be done and that they might finally be able to do. But we have a little bit more to talk to you guys about, talking about previewing the OU West Virginia game um, with with Bart Keeler from Smoky Musket, um, talking about just the OU West Virginia game in general and some other things um, right after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So today we're joined by Bart Keeler from the Smoking Musket. Bart, it's good to have you on, brother. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, this has been a pretty exciting game for Mountaineer fans uh, in the past. This year it is a, uh impending meteor coming at our program. So uh, <laughs> glad to be talking about this immediately after watching the U.S. Men's National Team lose to Canada. So uh, I'm Did that just happen? It. Really? It, right. Yeah, so breaking news oh, to anyone here man. on the Crimson and Cream Machine podcast, uh, we, we, we lost to uh, Canada 2-0 up in Toronto. So uh, I'm in well, great My grandma's having tonight. a party. She's from Winnipeg, but she's wow, the only that's... person in America who's happy right now. That's, that's pretty rough. <laughs> 
so yeah, no, it's you know, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited to be talking college football. Well, let's get into it. Um, you know, Neil Brown, obviously he didn't inherit a great roster situation. So what is the current opinion of West Virginia's head man amongst the uh, West Virginia faithful at this point? So I think the first way to answer that question is to say that there have been a lot of comparisons between the predecessor and the current head coach. Um, I think we are all attuned to what is going down in Houston. And I think that particular debacle makes our current frustrations and situations seem reasonable and like there's a light at the end of the tunnel of uh, not having the best roster and the best football team. Um, so that's kind of the, the immediate uh, uh, thought of Neil Brown is that, hey, you know what? We get it. It's not going to be the best season. And I think, I think the fan base, I think the program, and I think Neil Brown have done a good job of managing those expectations. Um, I think... <laughs> Uh, he I did that at Big 12 Media yeah, Day, from what I remember. The man of yeah, media no, days totally to, to be patient, right? The <laughs> yeah. Uh, the problem is we we beat NC State um, and looked yeah. pretty darn good doing it. Mm-hmm. And then immediately followed that up with a win against uh, Kansas. And, and I think fans thought that, oh, man, maybe Neil is actually a really good coach. And he's going to take this. But, like, it doesn't matter. We don't have great talent at every single position where you need good talent. Or we have talent, but it's a freshman. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the general opinion is, well, you know, I get it. Um, we may not be great this year. There are flashes of good. There's a lot of bad. There's a, a decent amount of good as well. Uh, but overall, the immediate, immediately when he got hired, everyone was super happy. He sounds like one of us. He's from Kentucky, which uh, very Appalachian. You know, we, we, we felt like this was a guy who connected with who we were as people and, and our culture. And I think he is definitely a great fit to be the head coach of a college football program. Uh, and I think he will get it turned around pretty quickly, just not this year. Well, Bart, Austin Kendall, I mean, I was watch, I was watching the game and I saw him go out early um, on some highlights and uh, with like a shoulder or a chest injury or whatever it was early in the first quarter. And yeah, what should Oklahoma fans expect to see from West Virginia at the quarterback position if, you know, Austin Kendall isn't really ready to go? Because Oklahoma fans kind of have an idea who Austin Kendall is. You know, I think the biggest piece of information I can give you is that he is listed as questionable. Um, he and Coach Neil Brown today said that he would not, that Kendall would not play if he's not 100%. We don't know the nature of his injury. Obviously, in college football, you're not going to get anything more than, you know, he may go, he might not go, he is going. Um, we do know he's questionable. We don't really know what he injured. As you mentioned, it appeared to be, you know, arm, shoulder, chest, somewhere in that area. Um, but I think what you can expect is for Jack Allison to start. Um Trey Lowe is a backup quarterback that has been in the uh, has been in, at WVU for two years now. Um, he was a freshman last year, redshirted. He's a soft, he's a sophomore and freshman eligibility this year. Um, and he he is more of a dual threat guy. He's not necessarily a runner, but he's quicker and, and is used to running that type of an offense. Um, more RPO 
with actually mm-hmm. keeping the ball. Um, obviously, Allison and Kendall are definitely guys who are going to run an RPO style offense. But, you know, their their goal is, do I give this ball up or do I take it and try to find a passing route? Um, so Kendall and Allison are very similar. Um, Jack Allison is going to be a guy who is going to try to take more shots than Kendall. I think um, that is the biggest difference between Jack Allison and Austin Kendall is Jack is um, we call him Captain Jack, and and I think that's a great way to describe him because he kind of has a little bit of Jack Sparrow in him, and he's kind of like he's uh, taken a few sips of uh, of Captain Jack on the sideline, and it it it's fun. Uh, it can also be very dangerous if he is not careful. Another follow up question about Austin Kendall is: Are West Virginia fans still angry at Lincoln Riley about the Austin Kendall situation? <laughs> You know, I, 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 I think that they're not angry, but uh, if given the chance, they'd bring up the, bring it up and try to make him remember that he, you know, didn't want a guy to transfer in conference uh, and start immediately. So, uh, you know, we're not, we're no, no, no one is above being petty, and we're certainly a petty fan base. So, if given the opportunity, we'll probably be petty about it. We're not uh, at the level of horns down, which I know you all appreciate. Obviously, we adopted that last year after we got a horns down penalty uh, for kicking the shit out of Texas in their <laughs> stadium last year. So, you know, I think that is definitely uh, that's more of an active uh, aggressive, not a passive aggressive. I, I, from a coaching standpoint, I get it. But the coach is also going to be he's going to have some. he wants to have something to complain about and something to say about it and you know if it works in his favor he's going to love it if it doesn't work in his favor he's not going to like it so you know that that's <laughs> that's where lincoln rally is on that but he's kicked our ass a couple of times so he can say whatever he wants now offensively what's been this team's biggest area of concern the run and... game <laughs> there you go oh, sorry. It, uh, <laughs> go for it yeah yeah no no it's, it, it's the run game uh it starts and ends with that uh, and in our win over NC State, we had about a buck fifty running, which doesn't sound great for Oklahoma fans, I'm sure. But uh, for us, it's been a struggle uh, to to get any semblance of a run game really going. Um, it's been it's been hard. We haven't had the best offensive line. Um, so Neil Brown and company have schemed a lot of good. Um, they've had really good run plays called and design and they're, they're, you know, they're not trying to go up the middle too much. You'll see a series or here or there where that's all they try to do because uh, usually it comes after a series where they've heavily, you know, tried to find the, the, the ends and gone off tackle a lot. Um, so you're going to see a lot of that in the run game is trying to find the edge. Cause we have some decently fast running backs if they can get into the open, open space. Um, we just haven't been able to get them there. Um, so that's been the biggest concern with the offense is, is the run game. Um, and, and obviously then, as you know, we all say in football, if you can't run the ball, then you're not going to be able to pass the ball effectively. And that's kind of been uh, – that was Kendall's biggest problem as he progressed through the season, is, is especially against Texas where he threw the four interceptions, was that you know if he is the least bit off on a read or the least bit – late or not quick enough to get the ball out then you know teams are not shying away from uh jumping a route or only going you know man coverage on guys and leaving uh plenty of defensive backs to make plays and in, in 
the passing game. So it's been a struggle to run the ball, and that's obviously affected the way that we pass the ball. But honestly, as a whole, like we just we're not putting up a lot of points. We average less than 25 points a game, which is um, not very good, and it's not going to win you games in the Big 12. Um, the the one good game, like the game that we have looked absolutely hands down the best all year, was obviously NC State, 44 to 27 win. After that, our offense just really hasn't been there. We got 31 over Texas, but I don't, I don't really think Texas's defense is as good as they pretend they're they are. And I think I agree. Uh, well, yeah, I know y'all would. Um, but then you look at Kansas; we only got 29. So it's not like we've been putting up a lot of numbers anyway. Um, it, it, it's just been it's been a, a tough go of it. And I gotta be honest, Austin Kendall was a little bit of the issue. He's not a guy who's gonna make a whole lot of plays for you, and uh, he's at best a game manager. And I don't think Jack is better than that by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think Jack has the ability to go downfield a little bit better and probably get the ball to his receivers at a quicker clip. So defensively, the Mountaineers, I mean, as soon as you saw Dana Holgerson exit at a considerable amount of experience and attrition over the past two off seasons, a lot of people left. What's your current opinion of the unit on defense? And really is there hope for improvement over the next few years on that side of the ball? Improvement, absolutely. There's some young talent back there um, that has developed. Look, Tony Gibson, the defensive coordinator we had before, Vic Cunning, who uh, they are very similar and they're very similar in the way that they approach defense, but they're very different in the way that they uh, go about it. But Tony Gibson was a great developer of defensive back talent. Um, In fact, if you look back at um, the Dana Holgerson regime, I think Gibby had eight or nine defensive backs go to the NFL um, over, you know, six years. So that's a pretty good uh, record of him at WVU being able to put guys in the NFL at a, at a key position. Um, The one thing that we've actually done a good job of this year is defensive line play. And I think that's definitely attributed to what the new defensive scheme relies on is a lot more pressure defensively from the defensive line. And you have Darius and Dante stills, their brothers, their West Virginia boys. And they, they are, they're not large. Like you're not going to look at them and go like, wow, that's a big man. Um, but they're very active and very physical and they have good, uh, you know, coach speak. They got a good motor on them, but they really do. Uh, they're able to disrupt the passing game and the run game in multiple different ways. They're, they're very versatile in the way they can attack an offensive lineman. So uh, uh, they've, they've got, we've got some really good talent Um not all of it is leaving, which is a great thing at the end of the year. Uh, we're we're going to have several defensive backs. Norwood is going to be one who's going to be really good as a safety. Um, he He's returning for the next year. Um, I think Darius is coming back next year. Stills, uh, I get the two mixed up, they're brothers, like I said. But we've got a Stills guy coming back, the, the, the defensive end coming back, who will be, the I guess, the linchpins of the defense going forward. Um, and I think... Uh, the biggest challenge this new coaching staff is going to have over the old coaching staff. I'll, I'm not here to sit and praise Dana Holgerson. I'm not going to try to do that ever, but he definitely was able to get guys ready to go play at the NFL level. And I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for this new coaching staff is to continue getting guys who have NFL talent to come to Morgantown. Um, it's been a struggle throughout the history of WVU football truly is putting guys in the NFL. Um, and I think if you can continue to get some of those pipelines from Pennsylvania and uh, Maryland and, and New Jersey and even in Florida, 
uh, and now developing one here in Georgia where I live, um, you're going to be able to continue to build with good talent that already has the skills and knowledge of how to play defense well, and then apply that to the Vic Kenning uh, defensive scheme. All right. Now we're going to play a little game, Bart. You ready? I'm so ready. I don't know if you are ready. Um, we're going to play uh, a game of Wed, Bed, Dead. We're not oh, calling it Fuck, Mary Kill. You're welcome, baby boomers. But we're going to call it Wed, Bed, Dead. All and right. We're going to play it with honorary West Virginian John Denver. Okay. Actual West Virginian and WVU alum Jerry West, the logo. And then West Virginia native, the late, great Don Knotts, a.k.a. Barney Fife. Let's go. Well, okay. I, this is going to sound really morbid. <laughs> I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll kill off John Denver for the sheer fact that he died. He's already dead. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will I'll bed. Uh, I'll bed Don Knotts because I feel like that would be a fun experience for like a night. But let, let's be real honest here. Jerry West is the guy. Like, if if you want to hitch your wagon to something, oh, there you go. Yeah, you're hitching your wagon to the guy who's, uh, you know, uh, still making money at, at in his 80s. Uh, Don Knotts was fantastic. He's a great, he's a great symbol of what West Virginians are and can be. Uh, he he never forgot those roots. But um, you know, he's he's a great guy and and was clearly a very talented and well known actor. Uh, but Jerry West, man, that's a that's just like. I, he may be the most important West Virginian to ever exist. You know, like that he's that important. Um, yeah. and, and his legacy will live on long after he dies. Uh, and because I know for a fact that if the NBA ever tried to change his logo, you've got uh, 1.8 million people who will be very upset with that. So outside of, uh, you know, maybe some athletes, who's your favorite WVU alum? So this is a really uh, unknown fact, I guess. Um, Lady Gaga's mom is a West Virginia alumna. Um, she graduated with a, a business degree from WVU back in like the 70s, I think. Um, and, and so she's uh, she's pretty pretty awesome. Um, she's born in, in Wheeling. Um, so I'm going to go with Synthony Germanata, which is no one knows who that is. But it's Lady Gaga's mom. Um, that's a really just a, she's it's an intriguing thing that no one really wants to talk about. But yeah, she's a she's a West Virginian. Interesting. What's one fact about either West Virginia University or the state of West Virginia that you'd like Oklahoma people to be aware of? So, okay, so uh, this is one. I'm I'm a I call myself a West Virginia expat. Uh, I've I was actually born and raised here in in Atlanta, Georgia. Both my parents are West Virginian, so I'm a first generation West Virginia immigrant, I guess you could say. Uh, it's a it's a weird story, but uh, having gone my whole life to West Virginia and spent time in Morgantown studying at West Virginia University, uh, the 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 one thing that West Virginians I feel like have this weird, uh, not weird, this loving appreciation for is two food uh, two foods. The first, the state food, the pepperoni roll. And it's, it's you're going to like our next question. Oh, great. Okay, great. So the pepperoni roll, it's literally just white bread with uh, pepperoni sticks or slices. That's a debate in the state uh, with mozzarella 
or sometimes some hot pepper cheese just depends on how fancy you want to get but uh it, it was uh, originally uh baked for miners in fairmont and the north central west virginia miners where there's a large italian population so a lot of italian immigrants come into west virginia working in the coal mines and you get a pepperoni roll it's still around today it's really good honestly the best I guess the next question is about food, but man, there's a lot of great ways to dress up a pepperoni roll. So we can talk about that for forever. Didn't know there was a large Italian population in West Virginia. That's yeah, actually, so West Virginia, Clarksburg, West Virginia has um, the, uh, I want to say it's National uh, Italian American Heritage Festival each year. Huh, pretty cool. Yeah, the more you know. So there you go. So there's another fact. What's the best spot for a pepperoni roll in Morgantown? Okay, so this is. Uh, a trick question a little bit because Morgantown, I will say, is not the best place to find a pepperoni roll. Um, you want to go to, you can get them anywhere. You can get them at any gas station. So if you're driving through, there's, you can stop at any gas station, buy yourself a, a half dozen pepperoni rolls in a sack and eat them on the way home. Uh, I used to do that on my drives to and from Morgantown. Um, the best place is, is, is Morgantown adjacent. It's Fairmont, West Virginia. It's the birthplace of the pepperoni roll. Um, Country Club Bakery is where they're from. They still make them there every day. You can get them there. Any, uh, a lot of decent pizza places in Morgantown and, and, and uh, north central West Virginia where Morgantown is. You can get good pepperoni rolls at a pizza place. Cala Sessinos is a good pizza place up there. Um, but you, honestly, Country Club Bakery, the original, that's probably the best place to get it. Uh, and if you're lucky, there's a place in Fairmont as well. It's a hot dog stand actually. And they sell like hot dogs with, I call it yam sauce. That's what we call it. Cause the restaurant's called yams, but it's a West Virginia hot dog sauce, which is a no bean chili. Basically that's really spicy, man. You put that on top of a pepperoni roll and this yams place will sell it. That's fantastic. Sounds like fantastic drunk cuisine. It look, it's a great thing to eat before during and after drinking <laughs> like it, you can start in the morning yeah. with like a pepperoni roll with like sausage gravy right and then oh dude <laughs> and then move into the lunchtime or you know after lunch and you have like i said you have a pepperoni roll slice it up and put that yam sauce in there and then uh when you get done drinking after you know you can put whatever you want in there slice it open put some cheese sauce in there put fries put melted cheese put uh you put marinara sauce on it put pesto on it man i've had a lot of pepperoni rolls in a lot of ways i actually when i was uh sorry we're getting into rambling we're talking about west virginia oh food. this is fine uh, <laughs> when i was when i was at wvu i was working on my master's in journalism i was working for the college of engineering we actually have a pretty decent uh college of engineering there at west virginia with a obviously a mining uh focus but um we i was doing a, a story on a couple of alumna alumni who moved to charleston south carolina and opened up a food truck it was actually a food cart of pepperoni rolls and they had all these different toppings you'd put on it man it so pepperoni roll like they're really easy to make you can find a lot of recipes online you can make them the cheap way you can make them the hard way but you can top them on a lot of things that's not the traditional way to eat them but like it's fantastic i'm just going to say all right so the spread is currently 33.5. Does West Virginia cover this weekend? Um, so I've been on SmokyMusket.com. We kind of do these picks every week. We're like, do you cover? Do we not cover? And I picked us to cover against Texas. And we, the spread was 11 and we lost by 11. Uh, I picked us to cover against Iowa State because I figured at least like we'd be able to hang with Iowa State. We'd 
clearly did not. Um, but that spread was like 10 and a half, 10 and a half. Yeah, it was 10 and a half. I really do think West Virginia is able to cover this week just for the sheer fact that I always pause at, I think this is one of those that like, if you're a betting guy, you're going to look at that spread and go put the money on West Virginia. Um, and so I'm going to air toward that of like, that's a big spread to have to mm-hmm. cover. I think anything above 30 points is a big spread for a team to have to cover in college football, let alone, you know, a power five against a power five. Um, and again, I think West Virginia's defense has been pretty okay this year. I'm not saying that we're going to hold Oklahoma to like 12 points or anything, but you know, I think if, if Oklahoma breaks 50, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but I also think that West Virginia can probably hold them in the forties. So I'm, I'm really thinking it'll be like 45 to 20 and West Virginia ends up covering covering. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, especially Oklahoma coming off a very emotional win against I, Texas. I feel like I saw a stat somewhere that like Oklahoma's never covered the week after the Texas game. Yeah, I think I think that tradition is going to continue. But man, Bart, thanks for coming on. Uh, tell everybody where we can find your stuff. So I write for Smoking Musket. You can find us at www.smokingmusket.com. Find us on Facebook, The Smoking Musket, Twitter, Smoking Musket. We've got a fantastic. Uh, photoshopped uh i don't i don't know what movie it's from because my pop culture is not to that level uh of a horror movie of like i forget what movie it is but it's dana holgerson's face being removed and you see neil (laughs) brown's face underneath it it's fantastic uh mike miller and matt kirchner run our twitter they're fantastic they also do our podcast uh over there at smoking musket so find us on twitter at smoking musket uh any any social media just search so, uh smoking musket you can find us uh, you can find me at barnabas prime one nine on twitter um as i mentioned at the top of this show right now there's a lot of really pissed off uh men's national u.s men's national team tweets um i don't tweet a whole lot about west virginia in during the series i used to but this season it's like there's not uh, there's not a lot of hot t- like Twitter only works if you give hot takes. Let's be real honest. I don't have a hot take. This is 100% true. Like, I don't have a hot take about this team. The hot takes I have are, hey, maybe if we don't throw the ball to the other team, we would score more. And and honestly, like, that's why the Iowa State game got pretty out of hand is because we gave the ball to – or, excuse me, the Texas game got pretty out of hand is because we gave them four extra possessions. But, you know, right now it's just – we – I would love to tweet more about West Virginia football right now. It's just not a lot to talk about other than, you know what, guys? It's going to suck this year. We're going to be okay. Just deal with a bad year. And a bad year could still end up with a bowl. I mean, honestly, at this rate, I don't. you have Oklahoma top of the conference. You have maybe Texas and Iowa State at the second level. I don't know who, like Baylor, I, I hate admitting that they're good. But everyone else is like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> we could beat it. Yeah. We could lose by 30. I don't know what this conference right now. I think we can beat Kansas State. I think we can beat. Uh, I think we could beat Oklahoma State at home. I think we can beat TCU at home. Uh, so I think there's a road to that. So that's I, all of my tweets about West Virginia football are usually like, well, that sucked. But eh, you know what? Going to get better. Um, but you can find me again, Barnabas Prime 19 and uh, at Smoking Musket on all the socials. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, look forward to playing this weekend and good luck to you guys. Well, you know what? Thank you guys for coming on. And uh, it's always great to talk to people who aren't Texas fans in the conference. And uh, (laughs) I mean, right. I feel like if that's all you are, then you're doing a good job. But uh, I've always appreciated the (laughs) Oklahoma fans who traveled up to Morgantown uh, for the games I've been to up there, even though y'all seem to enjoy that trip pretty regularly. Uh, It's been fun to, to catch you all as you make your way up to the Mountain State.
All right, man. Appreciate it. Till next time. Uh, thank you. All right, Jack. So, University of Oklahoma versus West Virginia this Saturday, Norman, Oklahoma, 11 a.m. again. Might be a little bit rainy. Oklahoma's Potentially. A, Oklahoma's a 33.5-point favorite, like we suggested to Bart. Um, you know, Oklahoma's wearing the Rough Rider uniforms again against West Virginia. Again. It seems like they wear them against West Virginia exclusively. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, West. Well, see, I'm surprised they didn't do it against Kansas because they've worn it against Kansas so many yeah, times. That's but true. usually, yeah, like usually, I think they've worn that in Lawrence the last few times they've mm-hmm. been up there. But uh, as far as the look is concerned, I don't mind it. I thought it looked pretty clean against Texas in the Big Twelve Championship game last oh, yeah. year. Yeah, looked nice. Having said that, when you do these types of alternates, it's good to refresh them every now and again. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a new alternate next year because they can't just ride with this Rough Rider alternate for a decade. I mean, it's been like five years now, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been They're not just going to keep rolling like with it. You, Blake you would, Bell walked out with these things. Yeah, on. exactly. So, yeah, you're, you would expect a change in the alternate sometime soon, but I'm down to always have an alternate. Yeah. I really like it. And it's rumor, good for recruiting. Rumor it, it, is, it, look, it looks nice. Is that they had alternates, and but they haven't been maybe approved or revealed yet. Uh, maybe that might be a next year thing, like you suggested. And this week they're going with the red, red, white, and blacks, which that means red helmet, white, red jersey, white pants, and black socks and shoes. Love the black socks and shoes. It look. looks great. And um, so yeah, we're in the Rough Riders again against West Virginia. Again, seems like I said it's like exclusive to the West Virginians. And talking about West Virginia, and we talked about, you know, previewing them with Bard and Austin Kendall, and he may not even play. We don't know what to expect. West Virginia allowing 382 yards a game on defense. Considering how they how depleted they are on bad. that end, that's really pretty respectable. Yeah. Like, I was expecting something a lot worse. And then when I saw something under 400, I was like, hey, that's actually, that's actually not bad. I mean, Oklahoma's it's gonna probably put up 600 yards of offense on them but it's just it's impressive to see that you know because neil brown in big 12 media days he basically got up on the podium and was like listen y'all we're gonna suck you need to temper your expectations and then they go almost beat texas they beat nc state handily they beat kansas after kansas thrashed boston college so you're like okay so how good is west virginia we don't know um so i mean it's it's hard to tell but like like texas tech how good is Texas Tech? I don't know. Oklahoma beat the hell out of him and Norman. That's all I know about it. And then they go beat OSU. They hang it tough with Baylor. We don't know about Texas Tech. So same thing West Virginia. Same with Baylor. A lot of these other teams. No idea how good they even are. I just know that this game is in Norman. And that's all that really is probably going to matter this Saturday. What, what, what do you see happening in this game? One thing I would expect Jalen Hurts to go back to being super sharp and efficient. Maybe with a hand that's not very exactly. Big. And another thing, I would expect it, him to uh, spread it out a lot more. Mm-hmm. Last week, C.D. Lamb, I think he had something around. I haven't done the math on it. It was something around seventy percent of the receiving yards for Definitely. Oklahoma. Yeah. Obviously, that's going to change this week. So, those are the two things offensively, defensively. If they do come out with anywhere even close to the intensity they came out with last week, they are going to feast. Yeah. Because they're not dealing with quarterbacks unless they come out with their third stringer who are going to be able to escape anything that they're doing. I mean, their offensive line has been kind of okay, kind of not. 
Bart said they weren't very good. Not and that, great. That doesn't give me hope for the no, quarterback. No, I mean, I would imagine uh, Neville Gallimore will be able to get a lot of movement up front, create yep. a lot of disruption. So, having said all of this, I don't have OU covering. I, 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 don't, I don't either. I think 33 and a half is insane. I mean, I, I think it's it's too high. I think that I thought the what was the line for the Kansas game? It was less than this. It was like twenty something or whatever. It was like thirty, 30. I think. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I thought that was too high, and I think West Virginia is a and more. It ended up opponent. being too high. So, especially Oklahoma coming off that game against Texas, it, it's it's too high of a line. But you know, looking at this game, I look at Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. Rewatching the game against Texas, he stuck to the experienced guys. You didn't really see Jaden Hazelwood out there, and you didn't. See, I was a little surprised not to see Hazelwood you actually. Didn't see, you didn't see the young guns out there really playing ball, unless they were on defense. And even then, they're guys that uh, they're rotating guys because the experienced ones are playing really well. I know Jaden Hazelwood like whatsoever. It, like and, yeah, that, like I said, that surprised me because you yeah. saw him so early in some of the other yes, games, and exactly. you didn't see him at all against Texas. But and, I mean, it's ended up working out. Yeah. So Grant Calcaterra is out again, and uh, just th- this is not really want to speculate, but some suggest uh, rumors floating around that it could be dealing with like a you know kind of a a, a dinger to the to the noggin, to the, yeah, concussion, maybe some concussion stuff. So. Um, he's letting him rest for another week. Uh, you know, it's probably not a good idea to get your tight ends thrown high over the middle and get taking shots. That's been happening a lot to Galcatera yeah, with Jalen with Jalen so. and Kyler last year too. So what do I see happening in the game? I see Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, like, like, like Bart said, you know, Oklahoma's going to be able to run the ball, I think pretty okay, but more so, I think they're gonna pass the ball everywhere. Um, is this a game where I think Spencer Rattler comes in? No. Is that is this a game that I think Tanner Mordecai might get in the game late fourth quarter? Sure. I think they I think they'll be able to put Tanner Mordecai in late in the fourth quarter, but I don't think it's gonna be a Jalen Hurts is playing till the third and then Mordecai's in. I think I think I think West Virginia will keep it respectable. And uh what do you have for a score? Ooh, let's go fifty five. Hmm. 55-24. How about that? I got 48-21. And, I mean, I thought it was funny the Bart threw out 45-20. I was like, that, that was a Kansas score, too. So, <laughs> yeah, give me, give me, give me 48-21. I think, I think that's fair. And, you know, West Virginia is not as bad as Neil made it seem, I was, was what I think. And, uh, or they just are coming together a lot better than we thought they would. So, but anyways, Jalen Hurts comes to the podium today, massive bandage around his hand, said he had a lot of swelling in his throwing hand, and it reminded me of uh, the Nutty Professor when, is it Sherman Klump? Is that his name? I don't remember. It's been a long time. He basically, he like, I know, it's been a long time since I've seen it. He like drinks whatever, and his hand gets all like chubby and fat. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought of when Jalen Hurts said he had a swollen, <laughs> like his hand was swollen. I was like, man, that's some serious stuff. But Jalen comes to the podium, hand is bandaged kind of heavily, uh, ice on that thing. And he says, you know, he's got the OE DNA after Saturday. And some of the quotes he has is that uh, he really ha- now has a piece of OU really in his heart instead of him being essentially in a, a mercenary that is out for blood for what happened to him at Alabama and he wants to win a national title. 
that uh, one of the quotes he said that you know he he done goofed on the on the on the playing field twice. He coughed the ball up, threw an interception in the end zone, both of which have, should have been touchdowns. And um, you know he said his brothers on the team walked up to him and said you know wherever you go I go. And I guess that struck a chord with Jalen Hurts because basically you know after he messed up twice, his teammates are still supporting him and. For him to get on campus early and to have them elect him as the team captain and leader, he said that really struck a chord with them, and he he has a really strong bond with those guys a, a lot more now than he had previously, and that's just something you gotta like. That's one of those that's one of those Terrell Owens moments where you start crying and say that's my quarterback. You know what I mean? It's it's something that you, that makes you feel good because you're like you never knew how you felt about Jalen, you never knew how Jalen felt about Oklahoma, and then. After an emotional bout, like you see in the Red River shootout, because uh, it turns out it is different than the Iron Bowl, uh, caused some emotion to come th- come through and uh, caused him to actually have a genuine moment of him saying, like, you know, um, you know, the brothers on the team they love me and I love them back and they got my back and that's that's big for that's big for team leadership. That's big for him and K nine Kenneth Murray growing together as team leaders as the alphas of the team. I think it's huge. Uh, it's a testament to what this team is doing and what the team hasn't had in previous years. And they have more leaders than just those two guys. 100%. I mean, you've got uh, Neville Gallimore being very vocal. Mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey taking on a bit of a role. Definitely. You have, I mean, even guys who aren't seniors. I mean, you have plenty. I mean, Kenneth Mann. I mean, he is a senior. But, mm-hmm. like, uh, he's definitely someone who is coming back into the fold, and he's someone who can bring up the younger guys and definitely uh, – Ronnie Perkins, Ronnie Perkins throwing himself yes. out there and absolutely C. true Lamb sophomore out there. C.D. Lamb, true junior, and not man, too old. J- Jalen Hurts loves himself some C.D. Lamb. He he never he never drops a dime to uh, drop uh, give this man a compliment about how impressive he is because like we see it every Saturday. This man is the most impressive wide receiver I've seen all around Oklahoma. Like I think ever possibly. Yeah, uh, and that, the most complete skill set for most sure. Complete, definitely. Yeah, but he does everything at a very high level. Oh, he does. He's not bad it's at incredible. Bolitnikov, it's his. Uh, but Tom Herman, man, I love Tom Herman after OU Texas, especially after OU wins. He says after the game with Oklahoma that he feels like they're really close to being a good team. They're really close to being back. And it's really funny because you look at this game, and like I said, Oklahoma should have destroyed them. Oklahoma should have killed them. If Hertz doesn't fumble on that second possession, the it's, route is on. It's like a 17 to 21 point game. Oklahoma killed you in the first half, just completely annihilated you. The LSU score was deceiving too. Yeah, it wasn't that close. So you're saying, man, it shows how close we are, and, o- and Oklahoma should have routed you. Really? Now, do they have similar? Or do they have similar talent? Do they? Ha- or as far as like ratings as far as what rivals and 247 will say yes their talent is on par with oklahoma with what they bring in culture wise they're still not there culture wise not there coaching wise oklahoma has the a much better coaching staff and even texas longhorn fans admit that that riley as we saw on their message boards yeah riley and grinch are killing orlando and herman and it's just it's hilarious to me that Tom Herman's like, man, we're so close. And I'm like, oh, I thought you, I thought you were back. You just won the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> and now you lose to LSU, who turns out to be pretty good. Lose to Oklahoma, should have been a blowout. Turns out their defense might be for real. Even though Deion Sanders is saying the defense is still suspect. Like, 
Does Oklahoma have to How play? How much college footballs does Dion watch? Yeah. I mean, does Oklahoma have to play Oklahoma to see how good their <laughs> exactly. defense is? Exactly. I mean, Texas had one of the best offenses in the country under the game. 45 points for the past like 6 7 games. But I digress. Um what's more important is Eddie Radosevich, uh funny guy, real dry comedy guy. His his bit on college game day Horns up, hashtag horns up. It's been going for about a year now. Oh, man, it's been going for a long time. It's going since the West Virginia-Texas game last year. And he finally got onto college game day, and it it struck a chord of people, either people that know Eddie, that know he's joking and know his personality. Or just do not get it. Or just people that are not fans of Or Facebook commenters don't get it. Or middle-aged to old people that just don't understand He's like, oh, I'd never root for Texas. I'm like, oh my gosh, you just, you don't, you just don't get it. You don't get it, do you? And like, baby watching... boomers have trouble with satire. They really do. <laughs> Man, they really don't. Get it's it, a Eddie. thing. But watch, watching it, it was just, it was uncomfortable for me watching this, the, the sketch on game day. Later, I watched it on YouTube. You know, like Sunday, and it was clear that a lot of people were very confused at what was going on because they had no idea. About Eddie and his antics, which I dearly love. That's good stuff. He is an elite smartass, and I love it. The it's best. fantastic. Um, but, you know, you say he's elite. Some people will call this next guy better than most. Bob, <laughs> Bob Stoops, um, the XFL. He had, just brought in a quarterback who's better than most. Yeah, XFL having their draft today. Bob Stoops loves himself some Oklahoma Sooners, man. He's got Landry Jones, Jeff Bidette. Dimitri Flowers, Frank Alexander on the Dallas Renegades. Are you going to watch the XFL? Man, I might. I was thinking Jeff Bidette. I bet his XFL draft profile just said fast as shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty See, much it. And he was, He's so fast. He though. was picked first. Yeah. He was picked first. What? How? Fast. Fast. Real fast. Like it, My memories of Jeff, Jeff Bidette are real fast, turns the corner, Got hurt out of bounds by running into several cheerleaders more than once, and it's like, and it wouldn't be like him running into like a pile. It's like maybe a cheerleader elbows him in like the he neck, runs so neck fast area. He has trouble slowing down. Yeah, it's just, it's just like what the heck, Jeff? But maybe he could maybe, probably throw a maybe. pass to himself like Chalky on that episode of Doug. Do you remember yep, that? I yeah. do. I do. Legendary. And just so yeah, Bob Stoops. I mean, I think it's funny because. Bob Soups was the ultimate CEO coach at OU in his later years, and I think it's going to be a lot worse that with that CEO approach with the XFL. He's going to be a face. You know, Hal Mummy is the offensive coordinator. Do you really need Bob Stoops there? Uh, it's intriguing. I'm going to watch the XFL just because it's football. You get to see a lot of familiar faces. You get to see Landry Jones do Landry Jones things. Jalen Saunders on the Houston team. That's right. Emmanuel Beal with Tampa. That's and right. you're probably going to have some more people drafted tomorrow. There's the, uh, there's basically tomorrow it's the defensive backs, and then there's the leftovers of people who haven't been taken yet. You've got like Ryan Broyles is in that pool. Yeah, you Ryan could, Broyles. You could theoretically see. What about Zach Sanchez since the uh, that that other football league went under? Because remember, I'm not sh- I'm not sure if he's in the pool for the XFL or not. Hmm. Should be. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Absolutely. Talent wise, absolutely. But I'm not sure what the deal is there. I remember when the original XFL came out, I watched it, but it, it was it sucked. He hate me. 
Yeah, he hate me. Rod, I like the coin toss. Rod Smart uh, played it for the Carolina Panthers eventually, but yeah, he hate me was real good. Um, but yeah, I'll probably watch it if the product. I think the product will be better this time. And if you haven't watched, this is the XFL by ESPN Thirty for Thirty. It's really good. It's hilarious. It's amazing. It just shows you how how unprepared and dicking around they were about it. And I think this time they're actually how absurd Vince McMahon is like in real life. The worst. And I, I think this time they're a lot more set up for success. So maybe they'll have some real things going on. But other than that, do you have any plans this weekend? Uh, a little bit of football, pretty much. 11 a.m. early kickoff. Man, last 11 a.m. home game was the first game where I decided, hey, I kind of want to just have people over to my house and just yeah. watch it on the couch. I Right now, the plan is to go to the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that plan will change when I wake up not feeling great on Saturday morning. See, that's Let's the thing. see. That's the thing because I feel like I've opened the box here. I've been talking about going to the game, and then I looked at it. and I was like, "Do I really want to go to the game at 11 a.m.? It might rain. I kind of don't want to. Like, if like, come on, I'll go. Yeah, I'll probably end up going. But 11 a.m. again, and then next week, Kansas State, another. 11 I think I might actually go up to that game. And, and it, then go to the Chiefs game the next day, Sunday Night Football oh yeah, against that, the Pack. That'll be good. That will be fun. Pat Mahomes. Um, but Probably the only time Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers will ever go up against each other, theoretically. Yeah. Because they hardly are ever going to play in the regular season, and That's Aaron Rodgers true. is getting up there in age. So That's true. Could be one to remember. And it's just, I mean, I'm tired of the 11 a.m. games. How many is that in a row now? It's going to, well, Kansas State will be five in a row. Come on, like. You're the flagship team of the Big 12. And see, part of it is because of that. Because you get the ratings early yeah, in the morning. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But it's so we're ridiculous. kind of cursed by that. But uh, I, I don't have the energy to complain about this anymore, to be perfectly frank. I, I, I just It seems like something that comes up every week. And if I'm you're Castiglione, like, oh, you have to be like, come on, like throw a damn dog. What, what are the night games? Baylor, OSU, probably. Right, if they stand defeated. It ain't right. Whatever. But, yeah, same for me. Watching football. Singing out. But, you got anything else? I think that's it. I think that wraps us up. So, hey, guys. Follow us at crimsonandcreammachine.com. Look at all the articles being posted. There's things being dropped every single day. And it's great stuff. It's quality stuff. Things you guys should like, comment, etc. Um, follow Jack on Twitter, at CCMachine, or personal account, at JLarryShields. I'm at Cameron CCM or follow an other podcaster, you know, Alan Kenny at Blatant Homerism, who also he dropped a really nice podcast yeah, at Bomani. That was feel free great. to go back and listen to that and uh, listen to Texas noted Texas fan Bomani Jones saying that he does not like Tom Hurley. Oh yeah, and he loves Lincoln it's good Riley. stuff. It's good stuff. So until then, you know, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Give us five star ratings. We really appreciate that. We will check you guys later. <laughs>